I'm Nathan Rutherford, and welcome to Myth Madness. Today, and over the next two episodes, I'm going to tell you about three Greek gods. Well, actually one god, and two goddesses. These are Persephone, Demeter, and Hades. As I have done previously, each episode is going to focus on a particular divinity, but as it happens, these three are especially tied together in the Greek myths, and I'm going to go into detail on those connections. For this episode, the focus will be on Persephone, a very interesting figure in Greek mythology. The meaning of the name Persephone is unknown, and the Greeks had multiple spellings and variations of her name. Persephonia, Persephata, and Feriphatha were all used. In the early Mycenaean Greek records, she is simply called Potnia, the lady, and is often lumped in as part of a plural, the ladies, the Potnei, which is typically thought to include her mother Demeter. Persephone is a goddess associated with nature and death. She was worshipped throughout Greece and had a distinct local cults throughout Greece, its islands, and what is now Turkey and Italy. Classically, Persephone, or Kore, meaning maiden, as she is also called, was the daughter of Demeter and Zeus. This is the case in practically every reference to her within Greek mythology and the ancient Greek religion as a whole. But, as I'm sure you may be getting used to by now, in myth, there is almost always an exception to be found somewhere. The exception here is found in Apollodorus's library. At one point in that work, Apollodorus says that Persephone is the daughter of Zeus and Styx, a nymph of the underworld, and is not the daughter of Demeter. But wait, there's more. Apollodorus also contradicts himself too. At one point in the library, he also says Persephone was the daughter of Zeus and Demeter. So here we are back to the usual story, and it's not clear at all where Apollodorus was getting this alternate one from. So we'll stick with the most supported, that Persephone, or Kore, is the daughter of Zeus and Demeter. According to Hesiod, before Zeus was married to Hera, he went to the bed of his sister Demeter. Some hymns from around the 700s BC give a much more kinky detail, that Demeter and Zeus had sex in the form of two coiling serpents. Unlike with Zeus's children with other women, there's no record of Hera giving Persephone a hard time, indicating that she was not the product of an illicit affair after Zeus's marriage to Hera. Persephone Kore is a beautiful young woman. She is described as both white-armed and trim-ankled. The gods Hermes, Ares, Apollo, and Hephaestus all try to woo the young Kore. They all sent gifts to her, but her mother, Demeter, rejected all of them and hid her daughter away from the gods. Which brings us to one day when Persephone is away from her mother Demeter and picking flowers with the daughters of Oceanus and some other young goddesses. Now, usually in myths, when you have a young girl picking flowers, or sitting by a stream, things usually take a turn for the worse very quickly. Persephone saw a particularly beautiful bunch of flowers just a little bit further away, and according to the Homeric hymn to Demeter, those beautiful flowers, all the violets, roses, irises, and whatever else, are all part of an elaborate trap because Gaia had made the flowers, irresistible for young girls, according to the will of Zeus. The reason being, Zeus had actually entered into a conspiracy with his brother Hades, and allowed him to take Persephone. So with Persephone picking the flowers out of the view of the other goddesses, and with no one around, the ground split open, and out came Hades, the host of many, on a golden chariot pulled by horses. And he grabbed Persephone and carried her away, but not before she cried out to Zeus her father to save her but Zeus did not hear her, or at least was not listening. But the sound of Persephone's voice rang out through the heights of mountains and the depths of the sea, 
and in that way her mother Demeter heard her and came looking, but she could not find her young daughter. In despair, Demeter tore off the veil covering her hair, threw off her cloak, and wandered over the world with flaming torches for nine days looking for Persephone. She never ate, she never drank, she never bathed, but she couldn't find any sign of her daughter. Finally, on the dawn of the tenth day, the goddess Hecate found Demeter and told her that while she had not seen anything, she had heard Persephone's cry out too. So Hecate joined Demeter, and they went and found Helios, the sun god, who rides his chariot across the sky. Demeter asked Helios if he saw anything, noting that he was the watchman of gods and men, and looks down from the bright upper sky and sees everything. And Helios, out of pity, told Demeter that Zeus gave Persephone to Hades to be his wife, and that Hades seized Persephone and took her in his chariot down to the underworld, the realm of mist and gloom. But Helios also told Demeter that she should stop being upset, because Hades isn't actually a bad choice of husband for her daughter. He is a brother of Zeus and Demeter's own brother too, after all, and he controls a third of the universe, the underworld. Ending that speech, Helios sets off again on his chariot through the sky. But Demeter was not comforted by Helios's words. In fact, her grief was even worse, and now she knew that Zeus had orchestrated the kidnapping of their daughter, and she was furious. So, Demeter avoided Mount Olympus and all the other gods and goddesses, and instead she disguised herself and wandered through the towns and fields of the human world. Now, Demeter is the goddess of fertility, the harvest, and agriculture, especially of grain. With power over that, Demeter used her powers to ensure seeds sown in the ground would not sprout, oxen in the fields could not pull plows, and as famine spread throughout the land, there was nothing for the humans to offer the gods as gifts and sacrifices. So obviously, Demeter got Zeus's attention. Zeus sent Iris, the rainbow goddess and messenger of the gods, to Demeter, and she told Demeter that Zeus had ordered her to rejoin the Olympians and return fertility to the world, but Demeter refused. So now Zeus took a different tactic. All the gods and goddesses went to Demeter one by one and offered her beautiful gifts, and she was even offered to choose between the male gods for a husband. But Demeter rejected them all and vowed to never set foot on Olympus again or let things grow out of the ground until she could see her daughter again. And if the whole universe starved in the process, so be it. With that ultimatum out in the open, Zeus decided to send Hermes to Erebus, the underworld. Zeus hoped that Hermes could convince Hades to let Persephone leave and rejoin the gods, so Demeter would stop being angry. So Hermes went to the underworld and arrived at the palace of Hades. He found Hades seated on a couch with a shy, reluctant Persephone missing her mother. And Hermes says, Dark-haired Hades, ruler over the departed, Father Zeus bids me bring noble Persephone out of Erebus so that her mother may see her with her eyes and cease from her dread anger with the immortals. For now, Demeter plans an awful deed, to destroy the weakling tribes of earthborn men by keeping seed hidden beneath the earth. And so she makes an end of the honors of the undying gods. For she keeps fearful anger and does not consort with the gods, but instead sits aloof in her fragrant temple. Hades smiled. The hymn actually says he smiled with his eyebrows, and then turned to Persephone and told her that she could go back to her mother. Hades also asked Persephone to feel kindly towards him, and he said that he would make a good husband for her, being the brother of Zeus, the king of the gods. Hades also told Persephone that while she is in the underworld, she will rule over all that lives and moves, and will be honored by the other gods, and those that don't honor her will be punished forever. And Persephone was happy to hear all this, and jumped up from the couch. But Hades gives her, secretly, we are told, pomegranate seeds to eat. Then Hades prepares his own golden chariot himself, and gives the horses reins to Hermes, 
to drive Persephone out of the underworld. They arrived where Demeter was staying, and when Persephone saw her mother, she jumped down from the chariot and rushed towards her. And when Demeter saw her daughter, she ran towards her too, and they came together and shared a big hug. But then, as she held her daughter close, a sickening thought came to Demeter, and she pulled away from her daughter. She asked Persephone if she had eaten any food while she was in the underworld, for if she did, she will have to return there for a portion of the year. She also asked Persephone how Hades was able to take her to the underworld and how Hades tricked her. Persephone told her mother that after Hermes arrived with his message, Hades secretly put a pomegranate seed in her mouth and forced her to taste it against her will. She told Demeter that when she was in the field picking flowers, Hades carried her off with the blessing of Zeus her father. After that, the two of them embraced again. Demeter returned to spending time with the other gods, and Persephone spent time with her mother for a portion of the year, and in the underworld with Hades for another period. In this way, the myth explains how the daughter of Demeter went from being the young maiden Kore to Persephone, queen of the dead and husband of Hades. Before I get into the thick of this myth, I want to talk about another goddess who played a small but important role in the abduction story. The one I want to talk about is Hecate, the one who told Demeter about Persephone's fate. Who was she? Well, Hecate was one of the younger generations of Titans. There were some of the Titans that seemed to have gotten restless with Cronus' rule over the universe and sided with Zeus in the Titanomachy, as I've mentioned before. The Theogony says that Hecate was honored by Zeus and given domains in the sky, earth, and sea, but Hesiod provides us with a list of her responsibilities specifically, saying that she sits by kings in judgment, grants victory and glory to men in battle, whoever she wants, favors contestants in sports and games, protects horsemen and people who travel by sea, and will also cause female livestock to become pregnant or cause them to die. And in a similar vein, Hecate also nurses the young. But it is more commonly known that in the Greek religion, Hecate was tied to witchcraft, magic, and nighttime. It probably owes it to the myth of Persephone's abduction to really make that connection. As I said, Hecate was the one that told Demeter what Hades and Zeus were up to. But even later, when Persephone goes back and forth between the underworld and the land of the living, the Greeks believed Hecate accompanied her. In Greek art, Hecate is often shown with torches, too. This view of Hecate as a guide to the dead, like Hermes, becomes really obvious in classical Greece and grew with time, including her links to magic. By the time the 1st century AD rolls around, Hecate is very much a death goddess. The Roman Lucan even describes her as having a face so wasted and pale that she has to make up for it when she visits the other gods. Basically, the Romans thought Hecate was a zombie. But back to Persephone's abduction. This is a major story in ancient Greek mythology, and there are a number of different sources for it. There is the Homeric hymn to Demeter, various other ancient hymns, the poet Callimachus, Zudo Apollodorus's library, Diodorus of Sicily, Ovid, and other various historians from the Roman period. The version I just shared is the one provided by the Homeric hymn to Demeter. This is by far the most detailed account, and also the oldest. The abduction is also mentioned in Hesiod's Theogony, but he just says Hades carried her off, and Zeus gave her to him. Homer's Iliad and Odyssey do not mention it. They just refer to Persephone as the queen of the underworld and the wife of Hades. That doesn't necessarily mean that Homer had a different opinion on the circumstances of how Persephone got there. It just means he didn't mention it. Later sources, Diodorus, Zudo Apollodorus, Ovid, and others, do agree that she was grabbed by Hades, typically when picking flowers. But they all give different locations for where this was believed to have occurred. Nysia in Boeotia, Crete, near Athens, a place called Enna, and many others are all provided. In the modern day, this myth also seems to have been the subject of a lot of reimagining 
an interpretation. I've heard people ask about a version where Persephone loved Hades, or there is some kind of romance between them, for example, or even that Persephone was not snatched by Hades, and that instead they kind of eloped. But the truth is, I can't share that version with you today, because there simply is no ancient Greek myth that has a Persephone-Hades romance. What's more, from examples of Greek pottery that show scenes of Hades and Persephone in his chariot, she's clearly being abducted, either facing the wrong way or with her hands up and presumably calling to Zeus or her mother for help. Instead, it is better to recognize this myth of Persephone as more of a reflection of life in much of the ancient world. In the myth, we have an arranged marriage to Hades brokered by Persephone's father Zeus. We have a reluctant Persephone, a worried Demeter, and a kidnapping. In the ancient world and ancient Greece, arranged marriages were normal. Fathers organized marriages of daughters to men who were often older than them, and often were people they didn't know. And often the daughters left home to go live with their new husbands. And guess what? Those daughters were probably pretty frightened to do that. Their mothers were probably also worried, and probably also sympathetic, because chances are their own fathers set them up in marriages to their current husbands in much the same way. The fathers themselves, though, may not have been that worried, and not because they were necessarily bad fathers. They may have thought that that's how they ended up with their wife, and things to them seemed fine, so it would probably work out fine with their daughter too. Then, in addition to the arranged marriage, bridal kidnapping was also a thing in the ancient world. There's even a lot of myths about it. Helen of Troy was kidnapped, and the Iliad poem even begins with an argument between two heroes over which one gets to keep a captured woman for themselves. Women marrying their rapists was also a thing. There are Roman legends that feature entire tribes having their men killed and their women being taken as quote-unquote wives, but really being little more than sex slaves. Then there is this myth, with sources from the 5th century BC, about Boreas, the north wind. He desires a young woman named Orithea. Boreas carries Orithea away after finding her playing by a river. This sounds pretty similar to Hades and Persephone, right? But this myth is even more blatantly problematic, because the details are that either his seduction of her originally failed, or his proposal was rejected by her father. So instead, Boreas resolves to take her by force, and explicitly wraps her in a cloud and rapes her. They go on to get married, though, and have children. The point I'm making is this. The myths feature these types of incidents because they reflected the lived experiences of the ancient Greeks that told and listened to the stories. The abduction component of the Persephone myth reflects arranged marriages and bridal kidnappings that occurred in ancient Greece, and these were things that real women had to deal with. And now we come to the whole thing with the pomegranate. There is also a lot of discussion about Hades' trick with the pomegranate seeds. Who was he tricking? Was Persephone tricked? And how was she tricked into eating them? Or did she take the seeds willingly and then lie about it to her mother after deciding she did want to become queen of the underworld after all? To be honest, that would be a very interesting twist on the myth, but let me go back and read you a translation of that part of the Homeric hymn. These are the words that Hades said to Persephone. Go, Persephone, to your mother, the one with the dark robe. Have a kindly disposition and courage in your breast. I will not be an unseemly husband to you in the company of the immortals. I am the brother of Zeus the father. If you are here, you will be the queen of everything that lives and moves about, and you will have the greatest honor in the company of the immortals. Those who violate justice, those who do not supplicate you with sacrifice, executing perfectly the offerings that are due, will get punishment for all days to come. So he spoke, and high-minded Persephone rejoiced, and swiftly she set out with joy. But he, Hades, gave her stealthily the honey-sweet berry of the pomegranate to eat, peering around him. He did not want her to stay for all time over there, at the side of her honorable mother, the one with the dark robe. Frankly, I 
don't see a real basis for the idea that Persephone took the pomegranate seeds willingly and then bent the truth when talking to her mother afterwards, when I read this passage from the Homeric hymn directly. So I went on a hunt to find a source from Greek or Roman literature that might support that idea, wondering if there was some clearer myth tradition that people may have gotten that idea more clearly from. I found a book called The Pharsalia, or Di Bello Civili, by a Roman poet named Lucan. It's not actually about myths. Instead, it tells the story of a Roman civil war. But buried within the poem, there is a description of the underworld and a line that says, Persephone, who shuns her mother in heaven. Which, at least more clearly than the Homeric hymn, could suggest that Persephone likes it in the underworld and chose to shun her mother and remain there. A poem by Virgil, another Roman poet, has another line with a similar gist to it. But note, both of these sources are Roman and date to several hundred years after the Homeric hymn to Demeter. What does that mean? Well, it seems that what's happening here is we have a new subtradition for this myth that developed at some point after the Homeric hymn was written down in the 6th century BC and was recorded by our Roman poets at the turn of the 1st century AD. In fact, this Persephone shunning her mother, choosing to stay in the underworld idea, could be not only a later interpretation, but it could also be a distinctly Roman interpretation. Why? Well, the myth of Persephone's abduction is also covered in Apollodorus's library. Apollodorus was a Greek, but scholars are pretty sure he wrote the library in the first century AD. In other words, around the time of Lucan and Virgil. In it, he says this about the pomegranate. When Zeus commanded Hades to send Kore back up, Hades gave her a pomegranate seed to eat, as assurance that she would not remain long with her mother. With no foreknowledge of the outcome of her act, she consumed it. Ascalaphos, the son of Archeron, bore witness against her. Persephone was obliged to spend a third of each year with Hades, and the remainder of the year among the gods. So in this account, we have Hades clearly tricking Persephone to eat the pomegranate seed, not knowing what would come of it. And then finally, after that, we have another inhabitant of the underworld being the witness that she had eaten food in the underworld, and so she was forced to stay in the underworld for a portion of the year. This means in the early Homeric hymn, and in Apollodorus's, it looks like Persephone was tricked into eating a pomegranate. Since these come from opposite ends of the ancient Greek timeline, it suggests this was the dominant version. But the Roman references seem to say that over time, and maybe in very specific places, people began to have differing thoughts on the same myth. I tell you about all these different versions of the same story, and I know this has been a lot, but by knowing the different versions, who wrote them, and when, we can really compare them and do a couple different things. We can use different versions to fill in gaps or clarify things that are not clear in particular tellings of the myths. We can see if there might be different versions from the same period, which would mean different traditions of the myth existing alongside each other. And we can see maybe how the myth might have evolved over time when told by different groups of people. I think the myths about Persephone's abduction and how she came to stay in the underworld are probably some of the best Greek and Roman examples of that process in action. Today, I covered the abduction of Persephone Corey. In the next episode, I'll fill in this myth with another perspective and talk about what Demeter did when she was looking for her daughter and the interesting adventures that she got up to. And that's all for today. If you're enjoying the pod, please give a five-star review on your preferred streaming platform. It really helps with growing the podcast. As always, thank you for listening.